Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. On this episode of Brazen Education, I'm going to focus on a current event. Elwood, Indiana Superintendent Casey Smitherman resigns after criminal charges. If you don't know this already, I live in Indiana and we hit the national spotlight because a superintendent here committed, uh, well, was charged with insurance fraud, identity, deception, and official misconduct. If you don't know what happened, I'll sum this up real quick for you. Pretty much there was a student in the school district that the superintendent was concerned about. She, she called the student at home. She felt like the student was sick. She picked up the student, took him to a clinic. The clinic wouldn't uh, see him because the student was not her child and she was not the legal guardian. So she went to another place and had uh, medicine filled for him, um, an antibiotic, but she passed him off as her child. So once all this came to the light, you know, a lot of people started talking about, you know, what should happen? You know, is she a good person? Should she uh, lose her job? And because this was such a talked about topic, I thought it would be a good idea to talk about it today on the podcast. So now that I've summarized what happened, my viewpoint is I feel that she overstepped her bounds as an educator. And one article I read said that Smitherman told investigators that she worried about the student, had previously purchased clothing for him, and cleaned his home. Smitherman says she didn't notify the Department of Child Services out of fear the teenager would be placed in a foster home. And so those statements right there, according to the court records, I find a bit concerning. Have I ever been concerned about my students? Yes. Have I ever purchased things for my students? Yes, I purchased school supplies for my students. You know, a lot of teachers have snacks in their classroom because they know certain students may be hungry. So I, I get the sentiment there, but the fact that now you're going to the child's house and cleaning his home, I feel like now you're getting to the place where you're crossing the lines. And then, because now that you've been to the home, and I don't know how many superintendents make home visits, now that you've been to the home, you have decided that you should have called the Department of Child Services, but you were fearful that the child would go to foster care, so you did nothing. So we are mandatory reporters. And what I've been told throughout my career, my job is not to worry about the investigation or what may or may not happen. My job is to report. And so if you're a superintendent, which is the top role in the school district, you set the tone for what you're supposed to do. So the fact that you come out now and make a statement saying that you have concerns about what was happening with this child and you chose not to call DCS, that's another uh, aspect of the situation that I find problematic. Because let's flip the script. Let's say it was a teacher that saw uh, some situations going on with the child and maybe the teacher went to the home. And, I, and teachers doing home visits have been more common but typically they're to get to know the child is not to go inside and clean the child's home if a teacher has said you know i should have reported i mean people get fired and you can just google really quickly you'll find 
teachers who have been fired for not reporting something in a timely manner. Shoot, in a timely manner. So they did eventually report it, but it wasn't even timely enough, and they lost their jobs. And so now you're saying that you didn't report anything at all. And if you are the leader and you're setting the tone for your district, you can't pick and choose based on your emotions and how you feel about a child. Because at the end of the day, let's say this is a situation where the child does need to be removed from the home. You don't get to make that call because that's not our job. Our job is to report. DCS job is to make the call. And it's hard sometimes because we do get attached to our students, but we have to do our jobs. The other aspect you know, now I'm going to look at it from a parent role, from her being a parent. I would never do anything that I think could potentially jeopardize my well-being and my kids over my students. And I know some teachers may be gasping right now that I even say this because I've talked to educators that are telling me they are going broke. Um, I, I talked to an educator one time a few years ago, said she was broke, but she had a student who um, had a baby. And so she said that she was spending all this money buying the students diapers for her baby and she couldn't take care of herself. And I said, you know, that's not right. Like, you need to take care of yourself first. Well, how 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 can you say that, Shantae? Well, A, there are resources in the community that you can link that student to so that student can find help and become sustainable and figure out a plan moving forward because that's not our responsibility. And secondly, why would you put someone else's child above your own? So... The superintendent committing insurance fraud, you're putting yourself in a situation where now you're jeopardizing having health care for your own children. That's not okay. And I don't know how you go back to your children and look at them in the face and tell them that you put someone else's child over them. And I am a person and any principal that works for me knows it's my children first. I care about my job. I work my butt off when I get to work until I go home. But at the end of the day, I'm a parent first. And my job is to do what I need to do to take care of my kids. Now let's talk about it from the viewpoint of this child that she passed off of her son from that family. And this is another place where I feel that the superintendent overstepped bounds. When you have someone who is struggling... And I don't know what the struggles are because, once again, we only have her side of the story. We haven't heard from the student to know, you know, if the student felt that the family life wasn't good or uh, not safe or felt like they needed some extra help. But we're just going on her side of the story. But if I am the parent or the guardian of this child, it's like, who are you to tell me that you need to take my child to get medical attention? Who are you to be judging me? And this is why I say we overstep the bounds because we really have to be careful as educators that we don't try to be a surrogate parent to kids and overstep our bounds. Especially when I think about my work with children who are free to reduce lunch. I mean, people find that offensive because at the end of the day, even if I'm struggling and I think about when I was a kid, you know, my parents, we lived we lived in a, a couple apartments before my parents got their house. We were struggling a little bit, but my parents didn't want a handout for anybody. My parents were going to do what it was necessary to take care of us, even if we couldn't have all the things. They would have rather have us have the little things that they could have provided than the educator, someone else stepping in and, you know, 
for lack of a better word, especially in my situation because I'm black, being kind of that white savior. Like my parents didn't want someone to come in and save us. They wanted to work hard and figure it out for themselves because there's something and I'm not saying it's ever wrong to receive a hand out or, a, you know, kind of a hand up. But there's also something that kind of gives you a little bit of pride that makes you feel good about yourself when you work through a situation. And we have to remember as educators, we cannot be all for our students, even if we want to. We can't be mom and dad and, and counselor. We can't do all these things. Our job is to essentially help them become better citizens, help get them the content, and then if there's an issue, report it, and help connect the family to resources so the family can make the decision because that's the family's job. The other issue I have, which was pointed out by um, someone that went to one of the board meetings, so this all happened, and then of course the district um, had a board meeting that the superintendent didn't attend, but one person that spoke at the board meeting um, named Lisa, she said that she would be angry that she took my child to get medical attention without my permission and got a prescription without my permission, pointing out the risk of an allergic reaction. This is why you they blocked her at the first place. They're like, you're not this person's parent, so you can't be here. Because there's all type of risks. I mean, think about one of the first things you're asked when you go to an appointment. Um, do you have any allergies, especially when they're about to prescribe you something? And how would she know based on the word of the kid? Maybe the kid knows allergies. Maybe the kid doesn't. At the end of the day, it wasn't her call to make. The other um, part of the story I found interesting was an article I read at CBS, um, the national site. It says Elwood school buildings have health clinics with access to doctors. Resident, residents and relatives are asking why he wasn't taken to one of them. Family members want to know why the teenager's legal guardian or other local relatives on school records at emergency contacts were not informed or called. So she's saying, you know, I've been to the home before. You know, I've been concerned about this child. I haven't called DCS. And then she calls to do a wellness check to see why the kid wasn't in school. And then she feared that he was sick and decided the best thing to do was to take him to the clinic. And I agree with the family members right here. You called, and, and this kid is older, I believe. He's, uh, yeah, he's 15. You call, and the 15-year-old is at home. And granted, when, once kids get older, you know, they may have went out to the bus stop and, and didn't get on the bus and go back home. Your next job is to call who's on the contact list and say, hey, Johnny didn't show up for school. We called the home. Johnny answered the phone. Um, what, you know, can Johnny come to school? What's going on? Notify the parents so the parents can get behind that kid and say, hey, look, I thought you got on the school bus or I thought you walked to school. Uh, I'm going to come by the house and pick you up. You're going to finish out the rest of the school day. So she cut off the parents' ability to take action. We don't know what the parents would have did if she would have called because she didn't give the parents the opportunity. So there's many pieces of this situation. And, you know, so you had all these educators coming out like we're we're attacking, attacking educators, you know, who did the right thing. But she didn't do the right thing. And that's why there's criminal charges, because she did something that was wrong. Like you can't say that someone is someone else. That's why she has the identity uh, charge. You can't pass someone off as your child. And I, I mean, I honestly wonder how her children feel that she's spending all this extra time with this extra child and passing off as her son, 
you know, under the guise of I'm doing what's right and I'm doing what's best for kids. What isn't best for kids is to have this negative publicity to their school district because the superintendent has criminal charges. Now, she did eventually step down and resign. And she said, as most educators will attest, the board, community, teachers and students need to be in alignment for a school system to achieve its goals. I do not feel that alignment exists at this time, nor could it exist in the near future. Saying that, you know, if she stayed at the helm of the district, this will keep coming up. And honestly, let's keep it real. If any of us get charged for something, if as a teacher, school districts, what they do, they wash their hands of us, cut us dry and, and say, Bob, figure it out. It wouldn't. I, I know we have due process. I just feel it may maybe wouldn't have taken so long. And I'm actually surprised it took so long for her to come to the conclusion to resign because I really felt like there was no other option because if she didn't resign, she puts the school in this situation where they have to, you know, terminate her. And so which is dragging this out even longer. So I really feel like she resigned because she said about the alignment doesn't exist. There is an alignment. You know, as a teacher, we are seen as role models, whether we want to be that or not. You can't have the top role model for your school district committing crimes, point blank, period. And. I know people are going to keep saying what she was doing was best for kids. I, I, she didn't do what was best for this kid, in my opinion, nor did she do what was best for the kids. I think should, should have been most important to her was her own family. And so those are two groups of kids that, you know, in my opinion, that she failed. And so now that she's no longer superintendent, I hope she really reflects on this situation. And I hope anybody else that's listening that is too involved with families and children who have been crossing line kind of think about you can cross the line to quote unquote the point of no return how much is too much and that's a conversation we really need to have and maybe i'll do a, a whole nother episode of how much is too much because our job is to be the teacher we cannot be the surrogate parent and some teachers are burning they're bur this is part of teacher burnout they're doing too much they're trying to solve problems that we don't have it's not our job to solve and they're burning themselves up. And now you're getting to a situation where now you're thinking about breaking the law or now you're sacrificing your own family's well-being for someone else who, once again, we don't have their side of the story. This is all her side of the story. The family may be struggling, but not in a way that she suggested with the whole I thought about calling DCS. It's like, are you saying that because you're trying to kind of protect your actions or um was well, there really something going on? We will never know unless the family, you know, comes out and makes more statements. And if I were the was the family, I don't know if I really wanted to come out. I would want to come out and make more statements. You might just want this whole situation to go away. But the one last thing I'll point out is that um, the 15 year old, um, it says in the article, it says for the first time, the 15 year old student's cousin told the school board this did not need to happen. There are no heroes here saving a dying child. She said this has made the team feel above school's control. He thinks he can do whatever he wants now, that he's going to get away with anything, and that she's going to back him up and make sure he does not get into any trouble. And granted, you know, this is the cousin of this, this student that is at the center of this situation. But how would you feel if you were a child in the district and the superintendent's coming to your house, you know, 
doing all these extra things for you, even taking you to the clinic and getting you medicine. You have to start feeling like you're extra special and could do uh, have more privileges than other people. And so that's the other part that gets concerning because now we're almost playing favorites with children when we are stepping over the line and doing too much. And hopefully some of what I've said here today, even, even if you think I'm wrong and you think that she was justifying her actions, I hope you take the time to consider what is too much as an educator? How much should we be giving to our students and our family? And what do we need to really do to start taking care of ourselves? Because we cannot take care of ourselves and our own family. Because granted, yes, I will tell you that teaching is my calling, but it's also a way I uh, earn income to take care of my family. I cannot jeopardize that for anyone else. Even if I feel, even if my heart is wrenching for someone else, I have to take care of home base first because I can't come here and look at my twin boys in the face and say, mommy screwed up. And now our situation is messed up because mommy put someone else over you. Like how, how do you live with that as a parent? So thanks for listening to my episode today. You can uh, go on Twitter and follow me uh, at educator Barnes. Also, that's my same handle on Instagram. Hashtag it brazen ed or brazen education. Tell me what you think. Like, follow, and share, and I'll catch you on the next episode.